0: to the venue podcast the venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church we hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus why you can trust the Bible and that's gonna that's gonna bode well for us today um, because there's some stuff that we're going to talk about today that that really coincide with with that. But I want to catch us up really quick since we're in this fourth chapter, since we're coming to the end of this letter. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's, he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is his, his protege, his mentee. Timothy's followed him really um, almost his entire ministry. Okay, Timothy's been a part of it. He's watched Paul teach. He's watched Paul work. Um, he's just learned from the Apostle Paul. And now Paul is in this dark, isolated, lonely prison in Rome. And most scholars agree that that this is the very last letter that the Apostle Paul will will ever write. Um, And you can kind of feel that. Like as you read this letter, it feels a little like solemn, it feels a little somber, like when you read the letter. Um, And so you can kind of tell that this is the last letter that that the Apostle Paul is, is ever gonna write. And He's, he's writing to Timothy and, and really what he's doing is he's, he's writing to him and he's telling him, Timothy, like, like, I love you and I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And I just wanna encourage you, like, like, trust the gospel message, preach the gospel message that you heard from me. Follow my example, Timothy, even if it means suffering, okay? Follow my example, even if it means hardship, even if it means suffering, and then Timothy, I want you to know this. I want you to know that hard times are coming. So trust the scriptures, which is kind of a, like, that's kind of a timely message, isn't it? Like, like hard times are coming, so trust the scriptures. Like we probably feel like that oftentimes, don't we? Like as Christians in this world, we feel like we're swimming upstream, everyone else is going downstream. Like hard times are coming, trust the scriptures, Timothy. And it's interesting to me, like when we, when we read this, I, I think this is a really, really timely message. And so I wanna look at the first five verses. If you have your Bibles, Timothy, first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter four, it's gonna be on the screen. We're gonna look at the first five verses. And then I, want to, I just wanna make a few thoughts um, and then uh, we'll, we'll be out of here this morning. But 2 Timothy chapter four, let's start in verse one. So he says this, Paul says to Timothy, he says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, I challenge you. Here's my challenge for you. Before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead and because of his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and they will turn aside to myths. Verse five says this, but as for you, Timothy, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So like I said, Paul, this is the last letter he, he ever writes, and it's pretty solemn, right? It's a pretty solemn, somber letter. And then we get to chapter 4, and it's almost like the tone shifts even more, and it becomes even, almost even sadder. And I feel like the, the reason for that is not only does, does the apostle Paul know, like, this is the last letter he's ever going to write, but now he's down to the last words he's ever going to write to Timothy, He sees it, like he sees the end in sight. And it brings up, I think, an interesting question. And I don't know if it really pertains to anything in the message today, but it's this question of like, if you saw the end in sight, like if you knew like your time was coming, your time was short, like you could see it ending and you had the opportunity to write a letter to someone or you had the opportunity to to maybe send a text message to a friend or family member, what would you include in that? What would you include in it? And for the apostle Paul, he includes like the most important things that he wants Timothy to know. And if I'm being honest, like if I was Timothy and I'm, I'm reading this letter and I, I get to, ch- obviously there's no chapters in what Timothy's reading, but if I get to chapter four and I'm reading this and I'm like, man, like Paul, you haven't like, you haven't shared any of the experiences we had together. Like we had a lot of fun times, Okay. Like, we remember, like, we were in Corinth and we went to, you know, like, we went to the donkey rental agency and they only had one donkey, so we had to tandem ride the donkey around Corinth together, like, ministering to people. Like, you, that was fun, Paul. Like, you haven't shared any of that. Why are you so glum? And I think part of it is because the Apostle Paul knows, like, Timothy needs my wisdom in years of service to the Lord. He needs this. And so, he says something in verse 1, and this is, this is going to really kind of, kind of couch everything else that he has to say, but he says this in verse 1. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus. And then moving forward, he says, and because of his appearing. That's really, really important. I want you to underline that. And because of his appearing. Here's what the apostle Paul says, and, and this is going to be our first point this morning. It's this. Timothy, look forward to Christ's return, okay? Look forward to Jesus coming back. This is gonna couch everything else that the apostle Paul has to say to Timothy. And it's interesting because because Paul doesn't just say that in this letter. Really, all throughout his ministry, he's telling either the, the church that he's speaking to or the individual that he's speaking to, hey, look forward to Jesus coming back, In Titus chapter two, he he tells Titus, he says, Titus, deny godlessness, live righteously while you await the appearing of glory, which is just a really cool way of saying while you await Jesus to come back. In 1 Corinthians chapter one, he tells the, the church in Corinth, he says, minister, okay, be faithful in ministering to those who may not even be faithful to you, but be faithful in ministering while you await return of Jesus. In Philippians chapter three, he tells the church in Philippi, he, he says, hey, your citizenship is now heaven. So eagerly await the return of Christ. Eagerly await it. So there's this sense as followers of Jesus that, that our waiting for Christ to return is not this passive, like, hey, let's sit back, let's hang out, you know, but it's active. It's active. It's, it's, there's something to it, okay? And what I'm trying to get across here is that waiting for, waiting for Christ to return, longing for Christ to return, has some sort of impact. And this is what Paul wants us to see. It has some sort of impact, and we don't know what yet, but it has some sort of impact on how we live and what we teach. Longing for him to come back has an impact on how we live and, and, and what we teach. Now, let me give you kind of a, a real-world example of this, and this example is going to fall short of what Paul is trying to, to get at, okay? But I think it'll make sense to you. When, when my, my wife and I, we've been married almost 10 years, okay? We have three kids. When my wife and kids go out of town, like, I genuinely miss him. Now, here's where the example falls short, because when they go out of town, it's almost like freedom, okay? But that quickly, like, like, dissipates, because then you're like, man, I didn't realize how much of me is tied up in them, okay? So they go out of town, and you're like, what do I do now? I don't know. But, but they go out of town, and I, I genuinely miss them. And so I anticipate, I long for them to come home. And what ends up happening is it leads me to action, doesn't it? It leads me to cleaning the house, make sure the house is spotless, okay? So then my wife can come home to a clean house, not a dirty house. It leads me to um, maybe going to the store, buying some presents, some gifts for my kids because I've missed them so much, right? Like it leads to action. And so here's my, my question for you. When is the last time that you've longed for Jesus to come back? When is the last time that you've longed for Christ to return? Because here's the thing. As you think about Jesus coming back, as you long for him to come back, one thing that it should do is renew your desire to reach the lost. As you long for Jesus to come back, as you wait for him to come back, personally it should call you to really be introspective and say, am I ready to meet him? Am I ready to meet Christ? Because he's coming back. Now the, the scriptures, um, they, they give us numerous reasons to long for Christ to come back, to, to eagerly anticipate it as followers of Jesus. I wanna mention just two really quick that I think are, to me at least, are, are really, really cool. Okay, um, the first one is this when Christ returns, the world will be made right. When Christ returns, the world will be made right. In fact, Romans chapter eight tells us that the world we live in right now is in decay. It's in bondage to sin. And when Christ returns, he's going to release the world from that bondage. Now, let me give you an example of this, okay? So my wife and I, when we got married, we went on our honeymoon, honeymoon to uh, the Canadian Rockies. In fact, I'm gonna put a picture up here of where we were, okay? So this is uh, Lake Louise. We stayed on this lake. This is, this is exactly where we stayed. Unbelievable, right? Like, like just kind of like stupid, okay? Like, and, and, and I don't put this up here to make you jealous, but if you are, I'm sorry, okay? But this is, it was crazy. In fact, when we got married, we got married in October, and so we went to uh, Banff, Banff National Park, and they had their first, like, big snowfall. So everything that you see up here was white, except for this lake. This lake was, like, the, the most aqua blue lake that you could possibly imagine. It was, it was unreal, okay? It was unbelievable, but, but here's the thing, and here's the truth. What we saw there, what you're seeing on this screen right now, we still aren't seeing it how God intended us to see it. It's still scarred by sin. And when Christ returns, what we're told in Romans chapter eight is that he's going to release the world from the bondage of decay that it is in bondage to, and we will finally be able to see creation how God intended us to see it. Isn't that a cool thought to think about? So not only will the world be made right, but something even better than that, when Christ returns, you will be made right. You will be made right. If you know Jesus, you will be made right. In fact, that, think about it. That, that sin that you feel like you always gets the best of you every single day, you feel like you're just fighting an uphill battle every single day that's always getting the best of you will be no longer. Living in a world where you always feel like, man, there's just like constant gossip and anger. I live in a, work, in a workplace where where it's just, it's, it's a struggle. I always feel like I'm having to look around me to see if someone's gonna step on me to get somewhere they need to go. There's family dysfunction in my life, sexual perversion everywhere. One day, all of that will be made right when Christ returns. So here's the question. Are you longing for his return? Because Paul couches everything else that he's about to say under that. Timothy, long for Jesus to come back. His appearing is going to happen. Long for him to come back. Now look at at verse two. Verse two, he says this. He says, preach the word. Now go down to verse four. We're going to come back to verses two and three. But then in verse four, he says, they will run, they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. What he's saying here to Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, preach the gospel, preach the word, because there's coming a day, there's coming a time when, when people just want things that are digestible to them, that are easy to, to take in. In fact, Paul calls them myths here. He calls them myths. And so the second point that Paul is making is this. As you wait for Christ to return, stick to the truth. Stick to the truth, Timothy. Stick to the truth. Now, contextually, Paul is, is talking to Timothy here, who's a lead pastor or a senior pastor in Ephesus at this time. And so that's who Paul is talking about. He's talking to church leaders in this letter. But I think this is very applicable to, to if you teach a Sunday school class, if you, if you work in ministry, if you mentor someone, if you have kids in your home that you're teaching to follow Jesus Like this applies to you. And here's what I don't think Paul is saying with this when he tells Timothy to stick to the truth. I don't think Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, you need to be the theology police and you need to mark every single person that's doing it differently than you. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that theology is not important. It, It absolutely is. But I think what ends up happening is we end up building tribes and, 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 and all of these different things based off of second and third tier issues. When what Paul is saying is he's just saying, Timothy, when you hear something, just ask the question, does it line up? When you're teaching something, ask the question, is it contradicting anything else in the word? Is it contradicting anything else here? And remember I want this is something that we need to remember and we talked about this a little bit last week but remember that he's really given us two really important tools and I don't even really like calling them tools because it's so much more than that but he's given us tools to help us stick to the truth. He's given us his word which is the truth and he's given us his spirit to help discern the truth. His word and his spirit. And why is that important? Because our hearts, and this is important for us to know, our hearts naturally gravitate toward what we want to hear. And so his word and his spirit are like a compass in our life that get us back on course as we're veering off. I think it's also important to know that when Paul is talking to Timothy here, in Timothy's day, turning from the truth was literally going in the opposite direction of what they were teaching from God's word. They were literally going in the direction and, and and worshiping other idols, worshiping, like bowing down to other idols in their homes, in their temples. And so when Paul is telling Timothy to stick to the truth, that's what he's talking about. Now, for, for you guys, I, I don't know that many of you in here are tempted to do that, okay? Like, I don't know if many of you in here are tempted to like, go the route of a cult or, or something, hopefully not. Like, let's talk afterwards, like if you are. Um, I don't know that many of you are, are tempted to go that way. But what I, I wanna share with you how I think we do go off course, all right? Now, I want you to picture that word truth, okay? Picture that word truth. Paul is telling Timothy, stick to the truth. So what he's doing is he's saying, hey, if, if you had a line, like that line would go just straight through that word truth, stick to it. And I think where we get off track is with false teachers. False teachers rarely come along and just tell you something so wild that is like completely opposite of what you hear in here. False teachers come along and what ends up happening is they weave in and out, don't they? They weave in and out of that truth. And so we get snippets of truth and we're like, yeah, that sounds good that sounds good. But then they say like this really wild thing over here, but, and, and we're like, yeah, but they said this. Paul is saying, you've got the truth. Stick to it. Teach that, Timothy. Preach, preach that. And so here's the question. Are you discerning the truth? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to discern the truth in your life? Now, can I just like gently step on some toes really quick, like not like slam my foot down, but like just like very gently step on some toes and then like back away, like really, really fast. We live in Lubbock, Texas, okay? No surprise to anyone here, right? Um, we live in the Bible Belt, okay? Politics is, is a really important thing to, to people. And I think it's, a, it's something that we should invest in, right? But here's my question for you. Are you discerning your politics through the lens of scripture? Or are you discerning your politics through news and social media? I'm gonna back off your toes now, okay? Told you it's very gentle. But ask the question, am I discerning the truth? Am I sticking to the truth? Now, it's important to see, Paul doesn't just challenge Timothy to discern what is true. Look what he says in verses two and three again. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. And then in verse three, he says, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Here's what he's saying here. He's saying, Timothy, preach the word because a time is coming when when people, they they don't want sound doctrine. So stick to the truth, Timothy. And then the third thing, the third point that he's saying here is this, run from what is false. Run from what is false, okay? Don't just discern truth. Don't just stick to the truth. But when you hear something that is false, run from it. Well, how do we do that? Well, he he gives the answer right here, he says, when the word is taught, when we read the truth, when we read scripture, be open to rebuke, correction, and encouragement. We really like that third one, don't we? But those first two, not so much. <laughs> rebuke and correction. Rebuke has this, this idea of, of, of really like being convinced of error by by logic, okay? Being convinced that that you're wrong. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, he says, when your brother sins against you, rebuke him in private. So there's this idea with rebuke that it's exposing sin. We don't like that, do we? We don't like that at all, but it's necessary. It's necessary in our lives to have sin exposed correction is a little more lighthearted, right? Like it's, it's, it's walking along someone and, and, and you're able to kind of see the path that they're going and, and you're able to come alongside them and say, hey, like, I don't know that, that the path you're going down is gonna lead you to, to where you want to go. I don't know that it's gonna lead you to a good place. And so you're able to lead them back to where they need to be. But here's the point in this. Rebuke, correction, encouragement. We need all three if we're going to run from what is false. Why? Because our ear, like we just want to hear what we want to hear. And what Paul says is he says this, false teaching does what? It just tickles your ears. False teaching never exposes sin. False teaching never corrects the course, does it? We need all three of these if we're to run from what is false. False. I think of, of my friend in college. I had a, a buddy who was a, a foreign exchange student from Iran. His name, his name was Hassan. And I've shared this story a little bit with, with our college students. But uh, without going into a whole lot of detail, Hassan and I, we would meet up very frequently, probably two to three times a week and just talk about Jesus. Um, he, was a, he was Muslim and he wanted to know what I believed and he wanted me to know what he believed. And, and we met up like, like quite often. And what ended up happening with Hassan is the truth of Jesus had a, a collision course with his life. And he, he I, I remember very vividly, like he called me at, at midnight one night and I was like, you know, I'm in REM, like, like I'm not awake. And so I answered, I'm like, Hassan, what's going on? And, and he's like, Tyler, I believe. And I was like, what do you believe? What? Like it's midnight man. And he's like, I believe in Jesus. So he had a collision course with the truth of Jesus. Now, understand this. Hassan, he could have he gone, the, just stayed on the course that he was going down, and he would have kept his, his family relationships. He lost all of that. In fact, his, his parents told him, never come home again. And if you do, we will have you arrested. Never come home again. He lost all of that. He could have gone, just stayed on that course. But the truth of Jesus Christ, it rebuked him, it corrected him, and it encouraged him. Everything that he believed before that, he saw was false. And the truth of Jesus rebuked him, corrected him, and encouraged him. So here's my question for you. Are you allowing the word that is taught to do that in your life? Or... When you come here on Sundays or when you're in your Sunday school class or, or maybe your home group and, and you're, you're talking through the scriptures and something convicting comes up, do you push that aside and, and say, I don't need that? I don't need that. Here's my challenge to you. Yes, you do. You do need that. Lean into it. So here's, here's Paul's train of thought, Okay. Long for Jesus to return. And as you're waiting for that to happen, stick to the truth, run from what is false. And then look what he says in verse five. He says, but as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. In other words, Finish well. That's our fourth point. Finish well. That's what Paul's telling Timothy here. Finish well. He's saying, stay alert, Timothy, because it's going to be hard, but but finish well. This past week, um, many of you may not know the name uh, Tim Keller, okay? Um, But what I would bet is that you probably have been impacted by him in some like some form or fashion, even if you don't know who he is. Um, Tim was a, a, a pastor for a long time in New York City. Uh, he planted Redeemer Presbyterian Church and then he retired from that position and uh, he started helping like like smaller uh, local churches and equipping the pastors of those churches. And, and I would say like for me, um, outside of my dad, Tim Keller was probably, like, he was probably the, like, he had the most influence on me spiritually, um, which is kind of weird to say for someone that you've never met, right? But, like, I could put up here stacks of books of his that, that I've read. There was a moment in my life where um, I was literally listening to a sermon a day that, that he would teach. But I tell you all of that, um, he, he passed away. He, he battled pancreatic cancer for a couple of years, and he passed away at, at 72. And the reason I I share that with you is because at the end of his life when he passed away the one thing that stood out was was not necessarily his influence on like the Christian culture even though that was immense not necessarily like like all of these things that that happened um even though he had a lot of accomplishments but it was the fact that he finished well. And I think that's important because we live in we live in a a day and age where man it is it is it's, it's almost, it is sad. Like we aren't shocked when someone falls, right? Like we aren't shocked when so-and-so has a moral failure. We just expect it now. But then you hear of someone who finishes well and it's almost like a breath of fresh air to you. And here's why I share that, because I want that for you. When when Paul says to Timothy he says fulfill your ministry. He's saying Timothy finish well. Do what God has called you to do. I want your legacy to be man, he or or she loved Jesus so much that it impacted the way they loved others, it impacted the way they loved their families and you could just see it. I want that to be your legacy. I want that to be my legacy. And I get it, like, like when you hear that for some of you, you may be going, I feel like my life is already, like I feel like it's already beyond repair. How can I finish well? Here's what I want you to know. The same guy who's writing to Timothy here who says finish well, fulfill your ministry, also says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter one, he says, he says this, first off, that God's grace is sufficient for you. You know what that means? I think a lot of times we we approach God's grace like God is holding it with a closed fist and we're having to like pry his fingers open and just be like, please just give me a little grace. But what Paul is saying there is actually, man, God's hand is open and it's just overflowing and you can't get enough of it. That's how much God's grace is sufficient for you. But you know what he also says? He also says that the God who has started a work in you is is faithful to bring it to completion on the day that he returns. So no matter where you're at, no matter if you feel like you've screwed your life up beyond repair, you know what? I trust him more than I trust you. (laughs) I trust what he says more than what you say. And he says that you aren't. He says that you can finish well. Here's, here's my question, and we're gonna we're gonna have a time of, of worship and we're gonna have some ministry staff up here who are more than happy to pray with you if you need prayer. But here's here's the question I wanna end with. If Paul was sitting with you right now, which one of these would he like? Which one of these would he tell you, hey, here's what you need to lean into more? Like maybe you need to like long for Jesus to come back. Maybe you need to think about that more so that it can, it can orient your life better. Maybe you need to learn to stick to the truth. Maybe you need to run from what is false. Maybe you just need to know your life's not beyond repair and you can finish well. What is it that you need to hear this morning? I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna continue to worship this morning and then we'll, we'll be finished. Father, we thank you so much for your grace today. I know, God, that, that a lot of times we can come here and, and just feel um, heavy. We can feel uh, anxious. And so I pray, Father, that your spirit would just continue to minister to, to the hearts that are in here. God, that we would leave here encouraged, that we would leave here just ready for Jesus to come back. And that as we do, that that would really put everything else into place and into perspective for us. I know you're still working, God. I know that you're still doing things. And so help us just to continue to lean into that moment, Father. We love you. And we thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.